Today on Blue 58, the 2020 NFL season is going to be different. We know that. What's it going to look like? Nobody knows that. But it's a much more interesting question, and it's the one we're not going to have the answer to for some time, despite what some in the media kind of are hinting at. But we should still be asking a few questions about what it could look like. And here are some of those. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Working in the job that I do, I have a real sort of vested interest in reopening plans. I work for a university and we're getting ready here in the next couple of weeks to welcome students back to campus. And as a result, I've been very interested working in marketing for a university as to what exactly that plan is going to look like and comparing it to other people's plans and how things are going to going to work for us, for universities who are ostensibly our competitors, but just kind of a curiosity sort of thing. How are other people doing this? How are they communicating about it? What are they telling people? What do you know? What do they don't know? Because that's the world we live in right now. All of it is sort of hinging on this question of coronavirus. That sounds very like a New Yorker article. The question of coronavirus. But really, I think you all understand this is the world we live in now. And I was thinking about this even more as it pertains to the NFL because of an exchange that I saw play out on the internet, which was hilarious to me, but also very depressing. Tom Pelissero tweets out that, hey, it looks like the NFL and the Players Association have things all straightened out. Good to go. Everybody's reporting here in a couple weeks. And we're going to be off and running for training camp by the end of July. Richard Sherman immediately quote tweets it and says, Hold on. That's not true. We've got a long way to go here. So Pelissero doesn't respond to Richard Sherman. He adds an additional tweet to his thread and says something along the lines of, Well, maybe they don't have an agreement yet. But things are moving along. All they got to sort out is when people are reporting to camp, how long training camp is going to go, what the safety conditions are going to be like at camp, and how much people are going to get paid. And I'm like, that's it? Well, I mean, training camp should start right now then. I mean, if all you've got to sort out is when people report, how long they'll be there, what work conditions are going to be like, and what they're going to get paid, what's the holdup, right? Obviously, there's a lot of factors here, and I don't think we've even scratched the surface on what the ramifications of some of these decisions could be. So I'd like to ask some of those questions, and I'm going to be forward with you here, or upfront with you here. I don't have the answer to a lot of these questions. In fact, a lot of these questions are just going to spark more questions. But I think we need to be asking and thinking about these questions, otherwise, As these things pop up, they're going to catch us off guard. So here are a few questions, eight of them at least, about the 2020 NFL season. First one, we start off a little bit dark. How many careers is this going to negatively affect or outright ruin? There are not impossible situations where this entirely destroys people's careers. If you are a new coach starting off with a team, say Matt Rule in Carolina, 
I couldn't imagine a worse situation in which to start your first NFL job. How are you possibly going to get off on the right foot implementing your program in this sort of situation? Or, say you're a Bumble player. Say you're a guy who's fighting for a roster spot like 45 through 53. And you're coming into this spring, this summer now, with rosters that might be a little bit smaller, two preseason games, and, oh yeah, a pandemic that, though you may not have symptoms, if you test positive for what's going around, you're going to be on the shelf for a while. Or, it's coronavirus. And say you do actually end up having symptoms. What if you only come back at 90% of what you were before? Can you be the player that you were? Is that going to affect your career going forward? I don't know. It could. And what about free agents? Let's transition to that. What happens to the free agents here? There's a few pretty good-sized names still out there. Jadavion Clowney, the biggest one, but Everson Griffin, a guy we've talked about before, also on the list. When will they sign with a team? I've pointed out before that rosters are pretty much set right now. Teams basically have the guys that they want. Do guys like Clowney and Griffin and other top-end free agents wait for injuries? Do they think spot they can? And if and when they do sign, because both of those guys ultimately will, what kind of deal are they going to get? Probably going to be shorter and cheaper than what they would have preferred. But is that even a good idea? Should you sign just like a one-year mercenary contract and then you're a free agent again next spring? That is a consideration too. Should you just take the best semi-long-term you can deal you can get because things might be screwed up cap-wise from here on out? Because how this pandemic affects the salary cap next spring is another big unknown. It affects free agents now because you got to decide what kind of deals that you're going to, to be willing to take, realizing that free agency might be weird next spring with the cap situation. Or if you're hitting free agency next year, what sort of situation are you going to be looking at? Is the cap going to stay flat from this year to next? Is it going to drop Both of those are not ideal situations. Even if it only goes up a little bit, not as much as expected, but a little bit, it's going to affect a whole bunch of different players, different kinds of players, guys who are free agents, guys who are about to be free agents, guys who are on the team now. Even if the cap goes up half as much as expected, suddenly guys are still taking up way more space than you projected when you signed their deals. And that is a problem, I think, especially for mid-tier guys, because they're the ones that are going to get squeezed out and get replaced with undrafted free agents and rookies in the draft. The top contract guys, I think, are going to be safe unless they're underperforming. But then you've got an especially vulnerable category of guys, guys that are on the right on the edge between making really big money and kind of mid-tier money, those guys that are like luxury signings. Or think about guys who are even slightly redundant. I'm setting this up because I have a guy specifically in, in, in mind for the Packers, and that's Preston Smith. Smith is not the Packers' number one edge rusher. If things play out how the Packers are hoping... By the end of the season, he may not be their number two edge rusher. He's got a cap number of $16 million in 2021. If the Packers would do a post 
June 1st cut of Preston Smith, he'd have a cap hit of just $4 million in 21 and another $4 million hit in 2022. And that would give them a cap savings of up to $12 million next year. There are a lot of guys around the league like Preston Smith who are going to be ending up looking for new teams potentially sooner than later if this cap situation goes a little bit sideways. I also wonder if you're a guy, say in the later stages of your career, and you end up cut because of the cap situation because they were planning on moving on from you anyway, and a flat cap or just a small increase in the cap just moved up the timeline, how does that affect your legacy? If Tom Brady knew going into 2021 or into the 2020 season that there might not be a season, does he try to leave New England still? Does he just flat out retire? If you're a guy like Aaron Rodgers, how does it affect the perception of the the back half of your career if you have a really wacky 2020 season for reasons that are entirely out of your control? Or if Suddenly, you're going into your age 37 season, and it gets wiped out entirely, and you have to go into what would have been your age 37 season at age 38 instead. What does that do to your stats? And what does it do to guys who, if you're a free agent, and you sign them at age 31, and it ends up not having a season, and you, like, toll his contract for a year or something like that, so you just, you know, bump it all up another year. Do you still want that same guy at age 32 instead of age 31? I don't know the answer to that, but I think a lot of questions or a lot of teams are going to be asking that question. Are we still interested in having this guy if we're getting him for his age 31, 32, 33 seasons or his age 32, 33, 34 seasons? That's a different question. And it's something that could come up as a result of this situation. Moving on, looking a little bit younger, what happens in the draft next spring? What if there's no college season at all? It seems like the dominoes are starting to fall that way a little bit. The Big Ten, for example, only wants to play a conference schedule. That sounds nice on paper. But what is fundamentally different other than the travel between that and playing just a regular schedule? You're eliminating three or four games maybe two or three games for some teams. If you're at least considering dropping the idea of non-conference play, why not go all the way and drop your conference games? And if the numbers keep going the direction they are, maybe that comes back on the table. Or what if there is a season, but guys just choose not to play? At least a few players are thinking about that, and agents are already aware of it. This quote, I thought from the Athletics agent survey, was amazing. Your mileage may vary on the whole piece depending on how interested in the really nuts and bolts uh, money side of the sport you are. But this quote, I thought, was interesting. Quote, from an agent surveyed anonymously. Quote, well, quite candidly, I've talked to a number of top-tier prospects who right now are considering just skipping their junior season or senior seasons and entering the draft because, one, they're afraid of getting sick, and two, they're concerned that their season is going to get canceled anyway. If you're like Clemson QB Trevor Lawrence, for example, what's the value to go back and play a year at Clemson? You know, the guy can be a first-round pick. I think there are other guys out there, maybe not a lot, but there's probably 10 or 20 guys that can legitimately forego a season and still be a high-round guy. 
then there's going to be a big contingency of players that believe they're high enough caliber players, but also just are afraid of getting sick or afraid of what happens to their season. We'd be forced to sign guys earlier and carry them and train them unless training facilities get shut down. There's literally nothing to gain by coming back for these players other than, you know, the greatness of Alabama football and Nick Saban or Dabo Swinney and Clemson football, right? I mean, like, what is truly the benefit is it going to have for you to play? There is no benefit. It's all risk, end quote. I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. A lot of these players are only, only stand to lose money by coming back. A lot of the high-end guys, that is. A lot of the mid-round guys, that's, that's where you're making money your final season. But how do you draft those guys if they didn't have the opportunity to put that last season on tape? Say you're a guy, I don't know, say you're a running back heading into your third season in your program. And your first two years there, there was some big stud guy who was ahead of you soaking up all the carries. And this was supposed to be your year. Now you don't know if there's going to be a season or not. And if there is a season, it might be shortened. Where does that leave you? Do you believe that you are enough of a prospect that you can really make some noise or you you, you put enough on tape in your first couple years as a backup that you can still get drafted? Or are you really pulling for that shot to put your best season on tape and maybe end up as a first, second round pick? I knew I, if I was if this was my one shot to really make a bunch of money as a running back, especially at, at a high mileage position, boy, that final season of college football would look pretty good. But there's a lot that goes into that calculus, as that agent points out. If there is a season at all, does home field matter? Home field advantage matter more or less? So we're playing games in this scenario. Generally speaking, there's a three and a half to four point advantage to playing at home, though less as the years go on. But is there a home field advantage at all if there is no fans? And does home field it matter if your travel is all different? Say, like we've talked about earlier, teams are traveling the day of the game, which won't always work, but there are some situations where it could. The Vikings come over from Minnesota the day of. The the Bears come up from Chicago day of. The Packers go to Detroit day of. That's all feasible, depending on the start of the uh, the game. If same-day travel works, does that make playing at home less of an advantage? You're not losing out on any time to travel that way. You wouldn't have to travel over on a Saturday. Or say that the same day travel is just awful. Does it make home field advantage more valuable? And again, what is home field advantage at all if there are no fans? A big question I have is whether or not the NFL would decide to go it alone among the major sports if they're the only one in a situation where they can't, really. What if the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NHL all get rolling with their stuff but the NFL can't put together a plan or their plan doesn't work and guys are getting sick left and right. Would they have the stomach to endure going it alone as the only one of the big four that says, you know what, we're just not going to do it this year. We can't, can't do it. I don't think the NFL could. I, th- I look at their responses and, and planning compared to the other leagues, and the planning in the other leagues has not been great. Major League Baseball has been a comedy of errors this last two, three weeks. But the NFL hasn't been much better. Most of it falls into the a wish is not a plan sort of territory. 
But if it all goes sideways, if it starts getting really bad, could the NFL decide, no, we're just going to pull the plug, even if these other leagues are rolling? I, I don't think they would. I don't think they'd back down. I think they're, they're going to try to jam it through no matter what. But I think it, it's a possibility that they should consider, what if things get really bad for us and not so much for the other guys? What do we do? And at that point, what will the NFL do if a player or a group of players decide they just don't want to play? Say you're somebody somebody with a, a pre-existing medical condition. Say, uh, this is one I've talked to with a couple friends of mine. Say you're Ty Montgomery and you've already got a sickle cell trait. And you've got the, the issues that go along with that. Say you live with a vulnerable family member. Say you've got you know, a, a, a person with a, a chronic lung condition in your household, uh, your, your wife, you got a, a, a child who has that, and you just don't want to risk exposing them to anything, and you want to opt out of the season. What is What happens for that team? Does that team get a roster exemption? And what if a whole bunch of players from the same team opt out? Say, for example, the entire Packers starting offensive line, just by happenstance, all decides individually that they want to opt out of the season. Suddenly, you don't you're, you're not in a situation where you don't have enough bodies to feel the team because you can bring in five more linemen, but you've lost a significant part of your team. It wouldn't take a lot to entirely reshape your roster. And how does that affect the salary cap? These are all things that I'm wondering. And these are all things that are bothering me a lot as I look at these reopening plans because it doesn't seem like all of these things are being addressed. Now, I know there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, and I know this is a multi-multi-billion dollar industry, the NFL, and they probably can figure some stuff out. But there is way more to this than just should we play or shouldn't we? And that's, I think, where a lot of, I, I never like to just say the media, but the media I follow, at least, seems to be dropping the ball here because these are big questions, any of which could really change the complexion of this situation of the 2020 season and I'm not sure we've seen good answers on them yet let's talk a little bit about take your eye off the ball we have arrived at the end of our book study I hope you enjoyed it I had a lot of fun talking through this book and we have reached chapter 18 the very final chapter in this book and this one is just a glossary of terms but as we look back on this book I want to offer you an opportunity If you have enjoyed this book, and if it's gotten you thinking about football in a different way, in a new way, if there's one particular aspect that you want to take and and look at a little bit more deeply, I would like to offer you the opportunity to write a piece that I can either read on the air or publish at thepowersweep.com. I think this would be a great way to uh, to build this community together, to become smarter Packers fans and all that sort of stuff. And I'd be willing, if you are interested in doing that, in working with you on a piece to make it the best possible one it can be. Because everybody's got to start somewhere. And if you've never written anything about football before, I'd recommend giving it a try. Because it's a good way to process your thoughts, to see if you can build an argument, to practice collecting evidence in support of a position, to really explore and learn some things. 
So think of a topic, research it, write a piece, and I will help you polish it up, and we can publish it together at thepowersweep.com. Once it's published there, I can leave it up there for as long as you like, forever if you want. And you can take it and show it to whoever you want, and maybe use it as an opportunity to start something a little bit more. Maybe there's a site out there that you would like to write for, like acmepackingcompany.com, a site I work for as well. And you want to pitch it and say, hey, here's the sort of writing I can do. Would you be interested in me writing anything more? Think about it. I'm not saying you have to, but if you're interested in doing it, I'd be willing to help you do that. It's what I do for my day job. I help people polish their writing all day. I love doing that sort of stuff. Obviously, I like talking and writing and and reading and thinking about the Packers. It doesn't even have to be about the Packers. If you want to write a piece, I will I will even help you come up with a topic. If you if you come up with a couple ideas, we can we can sort that through together. You know where to find me. You know how to get in touch with the Power Sweep. You know how to get in touch with me. Do it. Think about it. Put what you've learned from Take Your Eye Off the Ball into action, and let's see if we can continue helping each other become smarter Packers fans by publishing some of that work. Because your thoughts about this stuff aren't any good if you just keep them to yourself. You don't help anybody that way. Just try to help each other get better at following this game. So I've got for you in this episode. I do appreciate you listening in. Maybe next time we're together, we'll have a little bit more to talk about uh, in the form of some of your work. It may take a little bit longer than that, and that's cool as well. But if you enjoyed this show, if you'd enjoyed the questions we have about coronavirus and the NFL and the 2020 season, go ahead and share this episode with someone you think might benefit from it, because that's going to help us continue to grow this conversation around the Packers and help more people become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.